Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Purpose at Work podcast. This is your host, Spencer Jacobson. And today's episode is with Christy Phillips, who is the Chief Talent Officer at Willow Tree in Charlottesville. Uh, This is one of the top digital product agencies in the country from a boutique perspective. And this is a really interesting episode for a couple of reasons. One is that even though most HR people say that they don't really come from HR, that's really true with Christy. And she had a has a really non-traditional background uh, as a broker and doing sales and found herself at Willow Tree Apps and has really created an amazing culture, uh, is a great example of someone able to go with the flow and change careers in a way that is really empowering. And then also, Willow Tree is such a great example of a company that has been able to attract great talent in a tertiary market like Charlottesville, Virginia. And it's really interesting to listen to how they've been able to do that. So highly recommend this episode. You are in for a treat. All right. Well, Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Christy, I'd love to start if you could please share just a bit about Willow Tree. It seems like a pretty successful company in a pretty short amount of time. And then also a little bit of what your role looks like at Willow Tree. Sure. Willow Tree is a digital product agency. So we work with mainly Fortune 500 companies and we help them strategize, research, design, build, and test uh, their digital products. And we are located in Charlottesville, Virginia, in Durham, North Carolina. And uh, my role here is Chief Talent Officer. And I've been with the company over six years. So uh, we've had a lot of growth and change over that time. And I would describe my role right now as working with the team of people who we are responsible for bringing the right people onto the team at Willow Tree and then making sure that they have everything they need to, uh, to thrive once they get here. That's awesome. And such, such, an important, such an important role. One thing I want to talk about, but we'll get to a bit later, is building tech-oriented companies outside of the major tech markets. I'd love to get some insight there, but let's, let's come back to that. Before we talk about that, I'd love to just hear a few of the major turning points that allowed you to get to where you are in your career. I'd love to hear about maybe some of the the key moments and those learning moments along the way that shaped, you know, shaped you into where you are today? Sure. So I have I, what I would describe as an unconventional path to the role that I'm in right now. I went to school for and started my career as a software engineer and uh, did that for, for quite a while, started out at a pretty big uh, telecom company and ended up relocating and changing positions to be with uh, one of the big four accounting firms at the time. And 
I had in that role a really horrible manager. And <laughs> that was the first time I had ever encountered that. I had always uh, really enjoyed the teams of people that I worked with and my managers uh, and the companies in general. And so that had a really big impact on me. And I decided that I needed to make a change. And I completely changed careers. And, uh, and it was sort of an inflection point in my life as well. You know, personal things going on in my life and wanting to have a little more control over my schedule. And I had always been very interested in real estate. And so I got my real estate license and took the plunge and uh, happened to be in the right place at the right time and had a really great uh, time doing that. And what that taught me, that was, I mean, it was scary. And it was something that I really never saw myself doing as an engineer. Not to say that engineers aren't good with people because a lot of them certainly are, but I never envisioned myself in a role where I just dealt with all these different people on a daily basis. And so that was a big, a big leap for me and was really scary. Uh, and I ended up very much enjoying that role, that profession. And so did that for quite a while, really enjoyed it, ended up missing the being in the tech community a lot. And so relocated again to where I am right now in Charlottesville and started looking for opportunities in the tech industry again and discovered Willow Tree at the time, a, a very small company doing some really interesting work and interviewed for a completely different position. And I was actually interviewing uh, with the founder of the company and he saw something that I had never you know, put together. And he just said, hey, I don't know if you're going to be interested in this, but I'd really like for you to interview for what at the time was the director of recruiting. He said, you know, we need someone to come in and, and help us, you know, figure out how we're going to effectively interview people and how to recruit the right people. And you have a tech background, so you can talk the talk and you understand software development. You have these people skills that you've gained in your real estate career. And I think that would be a really interesting combination of skills for this role. And I was like, okay, let me think about this. And he was like, mm -hmm. don't answer me now. Go home, read the job description, think about it. Uh, and I let him know I was interested and I interviewed for that position and I've been here ever since. People tend to be so afraid of taking circuitous routes in their lives and their career. And if there's one thing I'm noticing so much from these interviews with really successful people leaders, business leaders everywhere, is they they take so many dips and turns along the way. And in retrospect, things make sense and the dots connect, but often they don't, you know, when we're back in that moment. So really notice again for you as these different pieces all fitting together in retrospect, but the willingness to just do totally different things has now allowed you to be here. Right. And it's scary and exciting and all those things at the same time. And I, I really encourage people now when I'm mentoring people, 
to do that because there's, you know, you, sure you can take a linear path and, and you can become a super deep expert in one thing and that's great. But jumping around to have different experiences and take on new responsibilities, you know, can lead you to really interesting things that you never would have imagined. I, I was having a conversation the other day with someone I work with and she was, you know, feeling a little bit like, gosh, look at all these roles I've had. And I feel like I'm behind, you know, my friends who are my age or whatever. And I said, you know what, look at the similarities and where this has gotten you to and this opportunity you have now. And trust me, at one point in time, you're going to look back and it's going to all make sense, you know, and what each of those things brought to your career. And so I, I think it's, you know, definitely keeps things interesting. <laughs> the concept of behind is, I think, one of the most unhealthy concepts that we create in our society. So unhelpful. I also noticed something that I've done to myself and we do is we perceive things as taking steps backwards or, and or we're not willing to perceive steps backwards in service of learning a new skill or doing something we really want to do. And again, it's all in this notion of behind or ahead or something like that. And it's very rarely intrinsically driven. Feels like it's very often extrinsically signaled. And this goes to one of the things we had chatted about when we spoke before around growth mindset. Mm. And that it's really, it's not this linear conversation of, well, how quote unquote good am I doing? It's actually just, what are you learning? And how right. quickly are you learning and are you growing? Right. And you're right about the, it being extrinsic, right? You're just comparing yourself to other people in some arbitrary way that that is meaningless. And, you know, if all of those experiences are helping you to gain knowledge and get different perspectives um, and learn new skills and meet new people, that's all valuable. And it is hard in the moment to think about taking what you may perceive as a step backwards or a lateral move uh, because everyone's always trying to get ahead, right? But but there is there is so much value in having that breadth of experience. And I think especially in the business world, it's so valuable. And we, we see that all the time, especially in a smaller company like ours, you have to see the big picture, you know, and you have to understand the clients and what their business is and what their challenges are and understand what our business is in order to truly be effective. If you're just, you know, heads down all the time, just looking at that small piece of what you're doing, you're, you're missing so much. Yeah. And th this is something that I've been, I've been experiencing as a founder is when I'm looking for people, I really want people who, you know, for example, if we ask somebody to set, set your OKRs, right? Think of, I don't want to dictate somebody's OKRs to them. And it's so telling when somebody sets their OKRs, if they're relevant to where we're at, what the business needs, what our clients need, or if they're kind of more siloed in their thinking. And it's, it's definitely a muscle 
to practice as well. And sometimes you just exercise that muscle by having to, by working in really different industries or in different roles. And you just have to change your perspective really yeah. drastically. And I think it's, it's hard to hire for that. It is. And you just hit on something I was going to say, which is that we struggle with that hiring wise too, right? Because we have a whole interview team that's made up of people who are so great at what they do. And from time to time, we will find ourselves having to reset and say, yes, sure, it's great to hire someone who has the exact skills that we're looking for and they can come in and they can hit the ground running, but we're not thinking broad enough, right? And we're we're doing too much hiring for the same skill set rather than looking, you know, for value adds that we can add to the team. And sure, they may not be able to step in and do what you do exactly, but they're bringing a bunch of new skills that are going to be helpful to the company overall. And that's something that, you know, I think we all can sort of fall into that rut and you have to be very persistent about resetting that frequently to say, let's make sure that we're evaluating for the right things here and not missing out on people who could bring something that we don't have right now. Christy, what would you say, I'm curious, as you look at Willow Tree, company has scaled a lot over the last several years, what would you say are a couple of the most key things that Willow Tree has done well that has enabled that? I think that we have done a a good job of defining our core values as a company. Uh, That was something that at the time we did that, which was uh, over three years ago we really got everyone's input on that. And we said, you know, what do you love about being at Willow Tree? What would you never want to see change? And we took all those ideas and distilled them down into seven core values. And we knew that they were so important that we did not want to just have them be lip service. And we've really integrated them into every single thing that goes on here. They they drive hiring and they drive, you know, things like promotions and rubrics around positions and and all of that. And they they truly dictate the way that we operate. And even uh, last year, we wanted, we had a few suggestions for updating them. And we said, you know what, this, it has to be a company-wide thing again. It has to be, you know, we're going to get buy-in that these are a few of the things that were changing. And, and we didn't change them drastically, and nor do we intend to do that very often. But it was a, at an important point in time that we wanted to make some changes to that. And what that's allowed us to do is move away from the whole culture fit thing, which especially when you're a young scaling tech company, so easy to fall into that rut of, oh, well, they're you know, not a culture fit. What does that mean? You know, <laughs> that, that's a very scary term because it sort of gives people carte blanche to, to say that and not have to define what they mean by that. And that can set you off in a really bad direction as a company. 
And so what it really allowed us to do was align our interviewing and hiring around core values to say, is this person aligned with our core values? Well, if so, a lot of those other things that you may evaluate someone on don't matter. We're not evaluating people on superficial things. We're evaluating them on whether they can do the job, whether they're a value add to the company, and whether they're aligned with our core values. And that was that was a huge win because it and it really allowed us to build a culture here that is genuine and authentic and isn't dictated by a certain group of people it's really the whole company is is bought into those and so that i would say is one of the best things that we've done and the other thing is really espousing autonomous teams and really doubling down on if you hire the right people you can give them a lot of freedom and that allows the whole company to operate at a much higher level, right? When people understand that they have a lot of autonomy, with that comes a lot of responsibility, but that you're trusted. And if you need help, of course, you can get help. But A, it really doubles down on the importance of hiring to get the right people on the team. And B, it I think it really goes a long ways towards letting people know how valued they are. And so... Both of those things, I would say, are two of the, the strong points of, of what Willow Tree has done as, as we've grown. I'm curious, Christy, if, if you look back over the last six years, what has been the biggest obstacle that you've had to overcome as a leader? I would say... If I were going to say one thing, it goes towards the growth mindset and the conversation we were having earlier, is getting over imposter syndrome. I think for myself here at Willow Tree, I've been really granted a lot of opportunities to take on new responsibilities. As I've already talked about, I came to this position you know, in a, a non-traditional way. And what that means is that I don't I don't have an education in, you know, human resources or or a lot of these things that I'm ultimately responsible for here. And so, A, you have to get over telling yourself that you shouldn't be doing that, right? Because obviously there are people who had faith in me to give me those responsibilities. And then B, you've got to hire, you can't be afraid to hire people who know more than you. <laughs> so that that probably was were two of the biggest obstacles. And so now when I am looking to build my team, I'm always looking to hire someone who knows, has a really valuable skill set in something that I am very self-aware that I don't know everything about. And that has helped us to build a team of people who can give the company what they need. Mm. This is really huge, I think, for many companies to create a space where people can be out in the open about what they don't know can be, to first of all, just to normalize that, right? So, so many people have imposter syndrome, but part of that is because so few people talk about it. If everybody was if we realized how many other people had imposter syndrome, it would literally just go away because we'd say, oh, this is normal, right? This is the way everyone operates. <laughs> yeah, this is, the, this, is the way, this is the way everybody operates. And 
it also, when you don't have that ability to have that self-awareness and have that openness, it also in some ways prevents us from really gravitating to what we're really good at. It's like, hey, well, kind of stuck at these things, don't know about how to do those things, but really good at these things, and I can be open about that. One of the things I love to say when I'm hiring either employees or coach for myself or whatever, is I just say, I only work with deeply flawed people. I'm a deeply flawed human and I only work with deeply flawed human, humans. And then I tell them about my deep flaws and I say, so what are yours? <laughs> Do you get up? Yeah, and it's a great question because if they aren't able to articulate it, either you can kind of tell when somebody's being dishonest because they're just it just doesn't it doesn't ring true right. when somebody's right. when somebody's revealing a deep flaw it just resonates you know there's just a resonance to what they're saying two if they can't articulate it nothing wrong with them but it's an indicator of self-awareness and so yeah. it's just something that we want to be aware of and then three, if people know how to have fun with that question, it also signals a level of maturity where they don't feel like they have to be perfect in order to do their job, which is also something that's really crucial when I'm working with people is to get, it's like, I don't expect you to know how to do everything, right? That's not what we're hiring for. We're hiring, but we're hiring for attitude, right? Can you figure it out or you know, learn how to ask the right questions or be the squeaky enough wheel to get the answers in some way. Right. Not being the expert doesn't mean that you don't spend a lot of time trying to learn as much as you can, right? I mean, I'm still always like learning about the things that I don't know everything about. But, you know, you can't, especially as you gain more responsibility, you can't possibly be an expert in all those things, right? And so, so admitting that and being self-aware about what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are, and then making sure that you're hiring to compensate for your own weaknesses, because ultimately it's not about me being able personally to do all these things. It's about me building a team that can do all of these things for Willow Tree, right? And so I think recognizing that is, is the really important thing. But you're right, even as you start your career, it's not about, no one knows all these things, right? I mean, you, you start your first job, you don't know how to do all those things, but you can figure it out and you can learn and you can ask people questions. And those are incredibly valuable skills. Yeah. How have you, when you think about uh, imposter syndrome, and I believe Google has a whole program about this of like basically helping other people at Google realize so many people have it because it's like an epidemic there because everybody there is kind of yeah. like Harvard. Everybody at Harvard has imposter syndrome. Sure. They know the bar is set so high to work there that then you're like, oh, no, now I'm here. <laughs> Am I supposed to be here? <laughs> Is there anything that you have tried to bring to the table at Willow Tree around incorporating this growth mindset conversation? We have it as part of our onboarding for new hires. And I, I love this story. It was actually a someone who had been with the company for, I don't know, six months or so, uh, an engineer straight out of school. 
And he came to me and said, I think that this would be a really valuable part of onboarding because for anyone like myself, he said, you know, I got straight A's in high school. I went to a top-notch college. It was all about being the best. It's very competitive. And then you come into the workplace and suddenly you're surrounded by people who know a lot more than you. And it's very disconcerting, right? And it, it affects your confidence and you're scrambling to try and act like you know everything. And, and he found it really, really challenging. And his mentor at the time here at Willow Tree gave him the book about growth mindset and he really credited it with turning his whole attitude about receiving feedback and not having to be perfect, um, really turning all that around. And so we started making it a part of our onboarding experience where someone who is pretty soon out of college talks about this. And of course, they're talking to people who might have been in their careers for you know 25 years. Mm. Um, but it's about the mentality that if we're going to have open communication here, which is one of our core values, that everyone needs to be on the same page, that it's coming from a place of trying to be helpful and trying to help everyone here grow. And I think it's incredibly important in our industry, things are always changing. I mean, they're constantly changing. Like if you are not someone who likes to learn and challenge yourself and is only comfortable when you feel like you know everything, then you're not going to thrive in this environment. So for all those reasons, that's an important point where we talk mm -hmm. about it. And then we are actually getting uh, a learning and development program off the ground. And it's going to be a part of that as well about imposter syndrome and growth mindset and, you know, making sure that, that everyone understands that these are things that everyone struggles with. Yeah. And I, I think about, that really learning in some ways is the currency of our economy now. It's the currency that I think employee, smart employees are holding most dear. And, and especially for like digital innovation, the, that industry, really many industries, the market could be completely different three years from now. Yeah. And then it's actually just continuing to change more rapidly. And they've actually shown that we can't even comprehend how how rapidly things are actually accelerating, like our, the human mind can't really comprehend exponential change. And we're right at this inflection point in that curve. This is one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about coaching. And to me, it's not even about coaching, it's just what coaching enables, which is massive reinvention for people where they're actually just able to have a seismic shift in the way they learn and the way they relate to either themselves or a situation and adult, it's really to me it's about adult development theory and how can we just really ha rapidly help people move to higher levels of adult development because the skills Christy has now literally may be obsolete in four years for you know uh, at least the the technical skills right no, hundred percent the yeah. technical skills we have now may be obsolete in four years. So what do we can we really learn that we can take with us? I think it's about, in some ways, learning how to learn. Yes, it is. I, I uh, 
took a Coursera course on that, learning how to learn. Have you ever looked at that one? No. Yeah. It was interesting. It's, it's very much about the human mind and, and memory and repetition and all of those things. But I think that a lot of it is just being open to that challenge, right? That, that none of this is going to stay the same. Everything you learn is going to change in a pretty short amount of time. Like you said, especially from the skills, you know, point of view, uh, the technical skills point of view, and that, you know, it is just a constant process uh, of learning. And then getting back to, you know, sort of that breadth of experience is there are some things that you can learn that will help you throughout your career, right? And I think a lot of those are the, the communication-based skills that are so important, especially as technology takes over more and more. Those human communication skills are like gold now. And I was just reading, uh, one of my colleagues sent me an article, and I think it was the CEO of Goldman Sachs was saying that the skill that they need that they are not seeing in people now is just the ability to write well. Mm. Um, and if you think about it, it makes sense because writing has become so casual and shorthand that it's not a skill that people are developing as much. But then when you get you know, in the professional world, it still matters. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Writing. I've always said I can write about 60% of a blog post or an article. And then once I start to get to that 60% level, I just, my brain short circuits and it's, <laughs> it's, it's tough. Yeah. Communication of all kinds is really breaking down. And as you said, I don't know if people quite grasp how important this is, that technology really will eliminate so many of the left brain activities that we need to do. And I think people are kind of in the dark about this. AI is coming. It's going to be able to do a lot of relatively complex left brain activities. And what's going to be left to differentiate us is the right brain, empathy, compassion, nuanced communication, right. really understanding a group, feeling a yeah. group dynamic. EQ, yeah. What is it, mm -hmm. what is happening in the room, mm -hmm. right? Or is this inspiring or is this demotivating? No one's teaching that, right? Or, or we're not teaching that at a systemic level anywhere. Not at all. And it's funny because I give my part of onboarding is talking about communication. And I do this in conjunction with one of my colleagues who talks about psychological safety on our teams. And uh, that's one of the biggest points I make is that almost nothing has a big impact on your personal and professional life as your communication skills. And yet it's not something for the most part that we're, we're taught. Um, most people learn through error, right? Like sticking your foot in your mouth and, and not saying the right thing or, or, you know, saying something too harshly or keeping your mouth shut when you should say something or any of those things. It's just not something you're really taught yet. It's so impactful on your life. So it doesn't make a lot of sense that we don't spend more time working on it. Yeah. Are you guys incorporating that in your L&D program? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What does is, what is the program look like? 
Well, it's it's really getting off the ground right now. So it's going to have several different aspects. So it's going to have some of these basic things that are very important to working at Willow Tree, a lot of them based around communication, um, whether in, and that of course takes tons of different forms. It's, you know, there's client communication and there's internal team communications and all of those things. And then there's obviously going to be, you know, skills-based things that all different, you know, teams within the organization can leverage, whether those are technical skills, design, you know, project management type things. And then another big aspect of it is really information sharing. So, you know, we have so much knowledge here within the people who work at Willow Tree. And it's really hard to effectively share that communication across a growing organization. You know, when we were much smaller, every week we have uh, lunch and learn on Wednesdays. And that used to be sufficient for, you know, a project team to get up and do a retro and say, hey, this is, this is what went well. This is what didn't work well. Here's the takeaway for everyone else here at Willow Tree. Or, hey, three people went to WWDC. Come back and share with everyone what you learned. But it's not anymore. You know, we don't, there aren't enough Wednesdays in a month for everyone to share that information. And so we're trying to, we're, we're really going to create a lot of um, very short videos, you know, just like a micro learning library that's tagged really well so that, you know, one team can say, hey, we're about to do, you know, a project that involves Roku, you know, for a media client. Let mm -hmm. me see, you know, did anyone else do this before and have they learned anything and just be able to, you know, easily find information that can help you that way. So, yeah, so those sort of three different aspects to it, things that are, um, you know, more like classes, soft skills, and then and just the way that we operate, the technical skills, and then the, the information sharing. Got it it sounds like a pretty complete learning system. And what I always, it's always, when I think about scaling companies and just the amount of things that need to be put in place and the sheer number of just new, there's just new problems to solve at every level. It's so interesting. And there's a lot of resistance at every level to being able to get to that next level and learning. Scaling learning is certainly a big issue there. That's actually one of the areas, like when, for guided, when I'm talking to companies, it's it's usually the the hardest part for a lot of companies is they're like 200 to 500 people. They've never really had to think about these things before, and then all of a sudden, it's just this whole new layer of issue, and putting in infrastructure and systems for the first time can be really painful. Um, yes, and then also to just get that it's an iteration, right? Let's just iterate. Can't try to get it too perfect. And having people, again, it's that growth mindset where let's get it out there. Let's get it in people's hands. Let's get feedback. <laughs> yeah, let's get feedback. Yeah. And I love, I love that it, the person who is heading up our L&D program, um, and he took on the, that position internally. Um, he has a background in it. It was very fortuitous. He's sort of the perfect person to step into this role. And that's exactly the approach that he's taking. Because, 
I mean, you can hear right off the bat, this is pretty ambitious, right? And so you've got to just be willing to to kind of take it one step at a time, put it out there, see what's working, um, and then take the next step because otherwise it would feel completely overwhelming and nothing would get done. <laughs> Christy, do you have any tips or ideas around building strong tech nickel tech teams outside of the major tech markets what have been some things that you have thought about there in service of of developing a really still a really strong uh, and attracting a really strong team yeah so honestly that has been my focus since i i started at willow tree so we opened our Durham office several years ago, but for a lot of the time we were in Charlottesville. That was, that's where our HQ is. And, you know, certainly there's, there's good tech talent here. We're far from a tech hub. And so how do you get the best talent in these areas? And it's, it's really core to Willow Tree's whole model is that we're located away from the major tech hubs in places that, a, have really good university talent around, and both of our locations are surrounded by top-notch schools. We are in areas that offer a really high quality of life and that have a lower cost of living than those tech hubs. And so you can move here, you can buy a house, you can have a short commute to work. And so our value proposition is that you can come to Charlottesville or Durham and work for Willow Tree and do this incredibly, you know, high quality work for major brands, but you can do it in these locations where you, you can afford to buy a house and you don't spend two hours out of your day, you know, commuting back and forth to work. So that's our value proposition. And it definitely speaks to people. And I would say, you know, the university talent has been crucial. And then also, we certainly have been fortunate enough to build our brand on sort of national platforms that people go to look for this information, right? So, you know, things like Glassdoor, you know, we've, we've been able so that people have a level of comfort saying, okay, this company, they're legitimate um, mm -hmm. and, and I can get a view into what it's like to work there. And then after that, I would say, you know, we've, people have moved, we've had people move from all over the country to come work for us. And not everyone fits this mold. But I think that one thing that's really worked for us is to look for people who have some sort of tie to the area. So, you know, perhaps they grew up here, perhaps they went to school in one of these areas, they moved away, and now they're ready to come back for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that has brought a lot of people back in our direction. And I think, you know, you've got to have some sort of value proposition to get the best talent. And so that's how we've, that's how we have gone about doing it. Yeah. And I think this is just going to be, I think this is going to be more and more prevalent is people being happy to and willing to not be in one of the major markets, people leaving those major markets to go to places like Durham, uh, you know, Boulder, Salt Lake City, Charlottesville, because of exactly that. It's, it's insane in the, in the major markets that 
to live in the major market, you're basically delaying your ability to have some of those key life moments by a long time. Right. Um, and that's not necessarily something that everybody's willing to give up. Right. Yeah. I think that there's, you know, there's certainly, it's become sort of a hot topic now and there's a trend in this direction, but, you know, we've certainly seen it happening, you know, for five five plus years now that that there are people out there who are very happy to make that change. And I think that we're in a fortunate position to be able to offer them the work that they might do, you know, in Silicon Valley or New York or Boston in these other locations. So it's definitely appealing to a certain group of people and not to everyone. And that's fine, right? Like, you know, we interview people who are getting ready to graduate from school and they're like, look, I've lived in, you know, Virginia, North Carolina, my whole life, you know, Google's offering me a job and I just really want to go see what it's like. It's like, absolutely. That's what you should do. You definitely should do that. If you ever want to come back, you know, (laughs) come talk to us. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think that just speaks to, um, you know, it goes into the, the whole conversation about companies being so much more open with people about, it's so important to be transparent too, about not overselling the company and just getting that people are on much more of this tour of duty mindset than, oh, I'm going to go work for this company for the rest of my life mindset. So I think that's super important. Christy, I'm curious as we start to as we start to wrap up here. Is there anything uh, that we haven't covered yet that you that you feel really passionate about that you'd like to speak to? Wow, I don't think so. I think I think you've covered everything. Uh, I think that you know that last point you just made is so true. It's just your company isn't for everyone, right? And and so you might as well just be really transparent. The worst thing is to have you know someone move and come work for your company and then feel like they were duped in some way, you know? So, uh, so yeah, definitely love, love transparency, but no, I I think we've covered a a lot of, of what I I was hoping we would get a chance to talk about. Awesome. Great. Well, uh, Christy, what is the best way is LinkedIn the best way for people to follow you or get in touch Yeah, I'm on Twitter too. I don't do nearly as much on Twitter as I used to, but on LinkedIn, you know, certainly can contact me through our website as well, which is willowtreeapps.com. Okay, awesome. Christy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me.